dare great things for Christ. Christ calls us to dare great things. In the marketplace, as well as in the mission field, there has never been a time like the present for the spirit of the Catholic entrepreneur. Now is the time for men and women of great courage and great vision to engage our church and our culture. Now is the time to dare great things. And here is your host as we dare great things, Father Nathan Cromley, the president and founder of the St. John Institute. Anyone who's ever tried to dare something great knows the threat that comes from anxiety, fearing something that could be. It's always around the corner and it's always there to take our energy away. But what if we were to take that anxiety and use it to further our hope? This is what Christian faith teaches us to do. Well, hello everybody. I'm so glad to be with you today and to have this opportunity to reflect deeper. And that's exactly what we need to do. We need to go deeper in our understanding of the dynamics that take place inside of our minds when we assume a role of leadership. A lot of the the struggles that leaders have to go through actually come not from the outside, but from the simple way that our minds work. And if I can understand the mechanism that's at play when I'm making decisions or when I'm playing the role of a leader in my life, then I'll be better able to overcome the obstacles that come because of that system and also to optimize its performance. It's just like driving a car. If I know how the car works, if I know the dynamics at play and the physics of the car, if I can understand even the type of car that I've bought, well, I'm going to be able to drive it to its maximum. Well, in in our human nature, certain things come into play, certain effects take place as soon as I take on the role called leadership. It's in my psychology, but also it's in the very very functioning of who I am. And I, I think that if I can understand that better, then I'm going to be able to not succumb to especially the voices of negativity that resound in my mind every time I start to do something. Because like, I think for most of you, the, the, the biggest thing that, that takes your energy away, it's not so much the challenge that you're trying to meet by your leadership. It's actually the, 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 the negative voices that are constantly in our minds, telling us that we're doing a bad job telling us that we could have done better, telling us that we should never be here to begin with. And, and those, those bad voices that are there, and I say that they're bad because they're not the voice of God, who is a voice of an encourager. But those bad voices that are there, they just kind of uh, they worm our way into our brains. And for many leaders, they actually bring them down. We end up self-deprecating, constantly apologizing for who we are or what we have done, even when it's been good things that we've done, and, and so forth. And I think that this is the contrary of what a Christian is called to live. But it, it, there was a study one time done uh, of executives, and they found that 70% of the, the voices in the heads of these CEOs were actually negative voices, critical voices. You shouldn't be wearing that. You shouldn't be doing this. 
I should have done better. Nobody likes me. What do they think of me? It's, it's amazing. You could be doing the most amazing things. You could be at home, you know, having five kids and actually having all of your kids learn how to smile, learn how to jump, learn how to sing, learn how to be these incredible human beings. But you're walking around thinking that you're a failure. And I just like to think, well, which of your kids thinks you're a failure? You know, who, who is it that's telling you that you're a failure? Well, I'm a failure because I wasn't as good as the next person at this or that or this presentation. And, and even there, is it a matter of failure? It's, it's so amazing. That's like the, the F word, so to speak, of the entrepreneur is failure. And we just must never use it. This is the big word that can constantly get in our brains. And to the degree that it's there, we are actually undermining the very strength that we have to push forward. And we can't allow ourselves to do this. You are too important to fail. Just like the banks, too big to fail. Well, you're too important to fail. And that failure that you're, you're so afraid of, what, how do you define that? How, what do you put behind that word? Because if you're not careful, you're going to allow that, the very threat of something that you don't even have really defined to keep you back from achieving the great things God is calling you to achieve. And not only God, but that other people are counting on you to achieve because they know your greatness. You can't allow yourself to put yourself in this prison called failure. There's, there is no failure until you've quit. I guess the reason I'm bringing all this up is because for so many of us, the negative possibility of failures can actually inhibit the positive energy that's going to make us succeed. The vision that we need as we push forward in life towards buying that first home or towards doing the improvements on our existing home or even towards launching a new energy or new effort in our parishes and in our organizations, bringing our business to the next level or any way that we are already working for doing something great for God. And all those things, we need to be able to have the confidence to do it. I think that if I was the devil, I would convince all of the people who are called to be the valiant warriors of light and standing on the front lines of the, the battle between good and evil, I would convince them that it was useless for them to swing their sword. In other words, I would try to intimidate my opponent into not wanting to fight against me. It would be easier and victory would be even more assured. And so I think that the way that the forces of evil keep the sons of light at bay today is by convincing them that their battle is already lost and that they have more to lose by engaging in the combat than they do by not. And so in other words, so many of us are sitting back, not fighting the fight that we're made to fight because we're scared of losing. If I at least stay where I'm at, we tell ourselves, I won't lose 
what I could lose if I actually try to fight. But my friends, I ask you, is that right? In other words, maybe not engaging in that enterprise, not pushing to that next level, actually costs you more. It costs you the spirit and the heart that's at the center of who you are. You know, our Lord says, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world if he loses his soul? But I think we could put that in an inverted way at the same time and say, what has it cost you to have the security that you cling to? Everything comes at a price. And when I don't dare something great or I don't assume the role of the leader that God has called me to be, what have I given up in its stead? I might have the comfort of the security around me of thinking that I know who I am and that my life is at least solid, but I'll have lost something at the same time. I'll have traded in for that security the very spirit of the, the leader that God has put me on the earth to be. And I think that this trade-off is a bad one, one that we mustn't make. Father Nathan is producing an ongoing source of videos to form, unite, and inspire you and your family. Go to eagleeyeministries.org. That's E-A-G-L-E-E-Y-E ministries.org. And subscribe to Eagle Eye Pro. Subscribe today. So what then am I to do? Right? If we, if we think about it, I've got this choice to make. I'm standing on the threshold of, of a new enterprise of a new risky endeavor and it might not even be that risky but at least it's something i'll give you an example if you go to your family environment what are we going to do about the various forms of technology and social media that our children are routinely playing with right i could try to have an uncomfortable conversation with my 13 year old and tell them that they can't use that anymore I could try to limit the number of hours that my children play on, on video games per week or even per day. I could try to limit the television usage of my children to watching shows only that I approve at a certain times. But it, it's difficult to do that. It's so much easier to tell them, well, you know what? I love you, buddy, and we're going to be fine. And I'm looking at my kids, and they seem like they're okay and that they're well-adjusted, right? So instead of fighting the fight of actually saying, I want my kids not just to be okay, but to be excellent. And I'd like my children to have in their minds the good things that are going to make them exceptional leaders. Instead, I just kind of let that fight go. All right. So at that moment, what have I done? Have I assumed the leadership that Christ has called me to be in that family or have I not? I can think of the same thing with my spouse. I can see my spouse routinely engaging in behavior that's just not good for them, from, from their diet that they're eating to the type of conversations that they engage in to the sense of humor that's just out of place. And I could confront them. I could say something that's uncomfortable. I could say, you know, but I don't. And then I, as I don't, I gain, well, the security of just saying, well, who am I to judge and what do I know about this anyway? And, you know, and I just kind of stay at that level of mediocrity and I gain peace. But at what cost? What have I exchanged for that peace? 
Well, I've exchanged a healthy relationship and I've also exchanged the chance that I had to actually lead and make the difference and to be that difference. And I want to tell you all, when, when you don't lead in your family, someone else does. All those folks that they're listening to on, on, on YouTube and that they're listening to and inter interacting with on social media, they were actually there in front of your kids, in front of your spouses. They were the ones that wanted to speak whatever message that they wanted to give and you let them do it. We have to confront deep down inside that if I allow someone else to fill the space between the ears of my family members, it's because I've allowed them to. Do you really wish that you had that certitude of not failing more than the certitude of knowing that you tried valiantly to lift up those people who, for whom you were responsible? I would rather strive valiantly to do my job and to do it imperfectly or even to do it in a way that could be considered a failure, but to do it than to play it safe and let someone else do it in my spot. And I think that's what a lot of us end up doing today. We end up acting like it doesn't matter if we're the ones to lead. I'm telling you, it does matter. It matters a lot because the... God wants to do something in your family for your kids and for your spouse through you that he cannot do through anyone else. But if I don't engage in that spirit of leadership and if I don't say that I have to sacrifice this fear that I have, a real anxiety of failure or a real anxiety of not doing it the right way. If I don't sacrifice that for the sake of that leadership and instead I embrace that and say, that's what I'm going to claim, someone else will end up leading your spouse and your kids. It's a free market economy, which means it's a free market culture. And anybody who wants to speak to your family more than you will. I, and I just don't know how we can allow that to happen. Because it's not just in our family. It goes in the same place with our businesses. And we know this. If I let my culture go, I let someone else in necessarily. If I, if I don't set the culture, the tone of how we're going to work today, how we're going to re interact together, the way that we're going to approach our jobs, and the way that we're going to approach even our whole field to say, listen, I mean, uh, if we don't set that tone, we allow someone else to do it. I remember a very simple kind of funny story. I... I used to be a garbage man in small town Ohio. I'd go around and I, there's probably, I don't know, 10 different towns we would, we would cover. And so I was the garbage man and we would do it. I would do it in my summer breaks during college. Then I would come home for winter break and I'd work during the winter break too. And I remember the, the pride that would kind of swell in our chest as we say, we're not garbage men, we're sanitary engineers, right? It's like <laughs> that little shift, little mindset. You know, as we went about this, and I remember us talking to each other there on the back of the truck, you know, as we're driving along the road, and we would say to our children, you know, we're, we're cleaning up a dirty world, you know, <laughs> all kinds of these kind of fun things. So that was us setting the culture. That was us saying, you know what, we're actually rendering a service to society. We're making this world better. It's much more than us just doing our task. We're doing it with the spirit of a leader. 
So I, I wonder if we couldn't do the same thing, no matter where we're at in our workplace, from the lower spot to the management to all the way to the top as an executive. If I look at it from the point of view as my gift to this world and my gift to God, and how about this? What if I were to say that my business is God's gift to this world? Because it is. You as a leader in your business, but you are setting the tone and allowing the interaction for all of the people who are underneath you, you are God's servant at that spot. And, and if I were to look at it from that point of view, I, I wouldn't have time to sit there and then say, you know what, what if I fail? What if I'm like, if you don't do it, you've already failed. Because the biggest thing that God's asking you to do is to try and to bring his light the best that you can. Maybe our perfection as a Christian is actually an imperfection, you know? Maybe it's an imperfect love that actually renders the perfect effect that God wants in this world. And so G.K. Chesterton put it so beautifully. He said, anything worth doing is worth doing badly. And I, I love that. That's got to come from a guy who's tried to do things over and over again and then didn't do them right. But he just kept trying. And what about you? What's the fear that's in your mind? I want you to, to, to get this because anxiety is something that shuts us down. And if we're not careful, the anxiety that, that is always around the corner of what could happen, or it can actually rob us of the heroes that we need, those heroes that you are. And the life of everyone around you, you are the instrument of God. Why aren't you that instrument in your own eyes? Who has replaced that for you? Whose voice is in your ears? I want the voice of Christ to be in your ears. I want his love for you to be in your souls. I want you to not allow someone else to be your leader except Jesus Christ because when he's your leader and he's your follower, you end up becoming the leader that Christ wants to give to this world. And it's for that leadership that I've come here today to summon you to not be afraid to assume that risk of an imperfection, assume that risk of a failure in the eyes of the world, but to assume it as part of what you do every day, day in and day out, because not doing it is an even bigger risk and something that we're not willing to face. Are you looking for a way to go deeper in your Catholic faith, find friends, and discover the reason why Christ put you on this earth? If so, I want to invite you to a very special program with Eagle Eye Ministries called Ecclesia, running from June 25th to July 26th at Walsh University in Ohio. This is the very best program at Eagle Eye Ministries. Sign up now, ecclesia.eagleeyeministries.org. Registration closes February 8th. Sign up now. All right, so then what are we supposed to do, right? So we talked already about this. We said, the, the, the whole thing that I'm struggling with is fear, fear of anxiety, this anxiety. And I say in, in, the, in the heart of it, what's at the, the root cause of what so, why so many leaders don't lead. It's not just failure in the sense of like not getting the job done. It's failure in the sense that we didn't live up to what we knew we could be. We are our harshest critics ourselves. And we allow whatever obstacles that are in front of us to beat us down and keep us there. But guess what? This is why a Catholic priest is, is talking to you today, right? It's because the Catholic Church is the mother of hope. And the antidote 
to the fear that you have inside isn't some sort of worldly bravery. Although, I mean, you know, it's certainly a good thing to have, you know, glad you have that. Bravado, right? It's a fine thing. And it can even be used by the love that God puts in our hearts. But it's something deeper than bravado. It's deeper than a worldly sense of courage. It's called hope. If I look at the Bible, I'm amazed to see just how hard God allows it to be for his people. His chosen people are put through the trial from day one. Look at Noah building an ark in the desert. That must have been a lot of fun. Then Abraham, I want you to leave your family and your kindred and your father's house and go to the land that I will show you. That must have been fun. Abraham was 75 years old. Moses, when he got his call to lead Israel out of Egypt, was 80 years old when he got the call. And then he had to wander through the desert for 40 more years. And the thing about it, Moses never even makes it into the promised land. He dies on the threshold of the promised land because God forbade him from entering the promised land as a punishment for his lack of faith and lack of faith of Israel there in the desert. So, I mean, Moses is like, I mean, he even finishes his life without entering into the land he was drawing them towards. Once they get in the land, look at all the combat that they have to do. Every kind of tribe, every kind of people is attacking them all the time. They have to fight them off all the time. They finally establish peace. And then the corruption that comes from the inside starts to happen. And you've got the lack of faith of Solomon, who with his many wives ends up disparaging the faith of Israel, going into paganism. And from there, you just keep on... And it's amazing, you can all the way up to Christ and then even in the life of Christ to see how God never let it be easy. And yet for so many of us, we think that because it's not easy, we're doing something wrong, right? <laughs> I mean, we, we end up defeating ourselves because we're like, oh, if I had my act together, my operations would just be so smooth. I don't understand. I can't keep people. All the people are quitting all the time. And then my, you know, we, they can't do anything right. It's so simple to do. And we, we just complain and complain and complain and complain. Because, because deep down inside, we're afraid of what we see. We're afraid of that obstacle in front of us. I mean, managing a team of people towards a goal, managing a project to actually hit its deadline when you've got a three-month deadline and you've got, you know, 16 people you're trying to manage and every one of them is a sinner like you. Imagine. Now, if you could look at that and say to yourself, I'm not going to allow that fear of the failure to bother me because as much as there's at risk here, I was made for this hour. You would do the best job that you possibly could. And I would say even better than what you think you might be able to do. But that's because you're animated by an understanding that it's not supposed to be easy. That it being easy will never be the case, right? So again, I think a lot of us have in mind some sort of executive image that we think we're supposed to have or that our businesses are supposed to run like everybody else's businesses run. Let me tell you, nobody's businesses run that way. <laughs> Every business person that I meet is a mess. I mean, they can act like they're not a mess, but that's because they're in sales, everybody. That's their job. So you hire somebody who looks good, who talks good, who, who's able to be to schmooze, right? Because we all know that in the end, you know, schmooze is just another word for bamboozling. Because what we're trying to sell is a product and it is a service. 
But to actually have it nailed down to the degree of perfection that we think we're going to have it nailed down to, it just doesn't exist. The, succeed, the people who succeed are the people who fight and enter into that fight. I want to take that same fight and I want to say, what's at the heart of it? What makes you stay in that battle? I don't think it's a worldly hope that you're going to succeed that keeps you there. It does initially, but it doesn't keep you there for the long term. The thing that keeps you there for the long term is Christian hope. I don't think there's another way to lead in this world that's more effective than the, the virtues and the spirit that Jesus Christ gives to his leaders. What is the difference between a worldly courage and Christian hope? It's that Christian hope feeds on the difficulty and it feeds on the defeat. It feeds on the, the challenge that's in for, as fodder for the fire of love. I can burn more brightly with more dedication to the very challenge that's in front of me when I realize that I can redeem its suffering and redeem its challenge by the love that God has put in my heart. I can unite what I'm going through and what I'm facing to Jesus Christ's sacrifice on the cross for the salvation of the world, and therefore it has meaning. Even if, yes, obviously we all want to be successful in everything that we do. And that is the goal. It really is. It's only the first goal. The ultimate goal is that I glorify the Father by loving him in and through everything that I do. And there's sometimes the travail of the labor that of which we're really afraid actually becomes the gift itself. I'm here like a mother with children that are difficult. I can't get rid of them. I wouldn't want to. My goal is to lead them and to offer my love to God by being faithful to my post and being that mother that God put me there to be because that's what he wants of me. There's this. At that moment, I feed on the difficulty as a sacrifice of love. And guys, isn't this exactly where we see the beauty of the Catholic Mass? At Mass, I unite everything that I'm living and everything that I am to Jesus Christ effectively so that his body offered to the Father takes mine with him. I pray that you'll find in the Mass that fire and that, that upward thrust that is in the Spirit of God for you to make you bold and to free you from this fear of failure and anxiety so that crippled no more, you take that place of leadership and you go all the way to the end of it because this world needs you. It needs your courage and it needs that dedication that God wants to show us through you. God bless you. Dare great things for Christ. Share your feedback with Father Nathan. Send us an email at info at stjohninstitute.org. That's info at stjohninstitute.org. And don't forget to subscribe to premium video content to form, unite, and inspire you at Eagle Eye Pro on our website, eagleeyeministries.org. That's eagleeyeministries.org.